Hey, what's up? I'm Jerry. Oh, hi there. I'm Al. And we do a podcast like almost every day, but not quite. It's the Al and Jerry post-game podcast. We really started it to talk about things we didn't get to on the Boomer and Geo show, but now it's really just us talking about robots, uh, rats in New York City, and dumb people in Florida. And porn sites that do studies and polls. Yes, studies and polls. You can download and subscribe on Radio.com and the new Radio.com app. Welcome to the Milwaukee Basketball Hour, presented by Hupy and Abraham and featuring Steve Novak. With a three, all that may seal it right there, a big-time Brockton triple. Now, here's Steve Novak and the big unit, Bill Michaels. We're glad to have you. Welcome. We're sitting up here kind of BSing a little bit. I'm Bill Michaels. Welcome to the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. We are glad to have you. We're at Bel Air Cantina here on water. We're in uh, Milwaukee. Our guest tonight, Dante DiVincenzo, as uh, you may or may not have known, had uh, a procedure done on his uh, on his foot. And when I heard about this, I thought, I don't think he's going to be able to make it. Sure enough, not able to make it. So the, the guy that we call the Darvin Ham of the current Milwaukee Bucks, the super sub, Pat Connaughton, is in the house with us tonight. How you been? I've been good. I've been good. You know, sometimes people mistake me and Dante for each other anyway. Someone outside of the uh, hotel the other day when we were in Cleveland was yelling Dante to me and showed me a picture of Dante and said, will you sign this for me? And I said, I'm not Dante. <laughs> and they said, well, will you sign it? And I said, you don't want me to sign it. I'm not Dante. <laughs> Well, who, so did you write, like, somebody else's name, like Mike Smith or something like that? No, he finally understood. He finally figured oh, okay. out I wasn't okay. Dante. I took my hat off. Yeah. And I didn't have red hair. Gotcha. Uh, well, let me ask you this. First and foremost, injuries obviously have been uh, something of a headline for this team over the last couple of weeks. Dante's down the rest of the season. you got Malcolm out. Uh, obviously, Miritich is out for a little while. How has that affected you guys? Uh, you know, I think for us, obviously, those guys are phenomenal players, and um, – a lot of friends, family, just random people have asked me, you know, how are you going to replace them? And you can't replace guys like that. They're, they're, they're very talented. But I think one of the things that have been overlooked from this team throughout the season is our depth. We have guys that have produced throughout the course of the year in different ways but have all produced in meaningful minutes. And so I think, um, you know, now they're just getting an opportunity to – um, you know, show that again and do the things that they do very well. They may not be the same as what Malcolm and Nico does, but um, they're, we're able to do them or do what we do very well. And, you know, the guys like Giannis, Chris Bled, um, you know, they're still there doing what they do very well. So Coach was on with us this morning, and we were talking to him about, the, the, the you know, the game last night, obviously a playoff-like atmosphere. And he talked about managing right now between wins which you obviously want to stack up, but also everybody's got to kind of stay healthy going into the postseason. But I got to be honest, last night was like a playoff atmosphere. That was For fun. Sure. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a blast. And, uh, you know, especially against, you know, one of the better teams in the West against, um, you know, the runner-up to the MVP um, and all that sort of stuff. There you stuff. go, in case you didn't catch that. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a blast to get that win. And, you know, it's always fun. You know, that team, Houston, is very good. Um you know, but they get a lot of calls from the refs over the course of the season, and they like to argue against the refs. So it's always fun to, you know, 
get a win against those types of uh, teams. So who who argues the most? I mean, just out of the guys that you face, somebody just is just always arguing everything, and he's one of those people that just claims everything in the world is against him. Yeah, I mean, I'd say a lot of it, CP3 argues quite a bit. Does he? Uh, yeah, James argues a little bit. Um, but there are guys throughout the league that, you know, every call – there's something wrong with it, and you know, you basketball. You got to be smart because you you see the same refs throughout the course of the season. Right. Eventually, when you cry wolf too many times, they're just ignoring you. Mm-hmm. And I think our team does a great job. I mean, I think Coach Bud has to argue exponentially because Giannis won't say anything, and he gets drilled every yeah. time he goes to the paint. So, but I think then when Giannis does say something, the refs take it seriously, and the refs are like, oh. Well, you don't argue much. Like, I must have missed something, or I got to at least take a look at that at halftime and get back to you afterwards to see if I missed it. Getting back to that, you and I, um, you did the show with us about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you guys were coming off a win, and Giannis had said, uh, it's going to take two or three guys to stop me, uh, something to that effect. It seemed like right after that, they started just collapsing the middle and hammering on the inside. Uh, has the game become down the stretch more physical? Uh, definitely. You know, the NBA game in general is physical. I think, uh, you know, anybody that's been to a game and seen it in person, especially the closer you are to the court, understands that. Uh, I think sometimes on TV it looks not as physical because guys make things look very easy uh, because of their talent, their ability, their strength, their quickness. Um, but as you get closer to the playoffs, as you get into the playoffs, uh, that physicality ramps up for sure. And you'll see – refs i mean they're supposed to call the same things but you can't call every call so uh, there will be more physicality and you know fortunately as you guys have seen Giannis's body develop over the last few seasons uh you know he's prepared to handle it, and i think the rest of us are as well we had bledsoe on last week i asked him i said how you feeling after the back-to-back he said man it's it's a long season he said you're starting to starting to feel it are you starting to feel it uh not personally uh yeah. you know uh i try to do my best to take care of my body like we all do. Uh, I try to do extra lifts and stuff at the beginning of the year. So by the end of the year, when I'm not doing them, um, I feel just as fresh. Uh, but there, there are guys, I mean, you look at Giannis who's playing 30 to 40 minutes a game, Bled who's playing 35 minutes a game, over 82 games, that can definitely take a toll. Without Malcolm right now, uh, Bledsoe has certainly stepped up. His minutes have increased. How, you know, is it one guy you're relying upon to come in and kind of absorb some of that? Or it seems to me, when the last time we talked was, there's a lot of guys that are contributing on a nightly basis. One night it'll be you, the next night Bled's hot, the next night Chris is hot, the next night it's somebody else. It's George Hill comes in. and start. I mean, it seems like it's always been somebody. Yeah, and that's what's kind of great about our team. Like I said, our depth is deeper than I think many people uh, think. You know, they see Giannis, they see Chris, um, who are the two all-stars, but you got Bled. Obviously, you got Malcolm, you got Nico, you got Brooke, you got me, you got George, you got Sterling. You got so many guys that are able to come in, DJ Wilson, and have an impact on the game in their own way. Um, and you have a team that their number one goal or our number one goal is to win games. It doesn't matter who or what is the reason for it. We just want to win. And sometimes that gets lost in NBA seasons when you have guys that expect X amount of shots per game. Here, it doesn't doesn't matter who gets the shots as long as we're finding ways to get the ball into the basket. It's a Milwaukee Basketball Hour presented by Hupi and Abraham. We're broadcasting live at Bel Air Cantina here on Water Street in downtown Milwaukee. Pat Connaughton of the Bucks, our guest. Um, so some things talked about nationally. I, w- I was paying attention to the four-letter network, a couple of different things on, on some of the other national networks, and they're saying, well, the Bucks are a great regular season team, 
they haven't been able to been been there, done that when it comes to winning in the postseason. Is that something? Because you, until you do it, you can't. There's nothing you can say about it. And there's a lot of new faces on this team, so you can't penalize you guys for winning and having the best record in the NBA. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, do you guys take that and say either one, the they don't know what the hell they're talking about, or two, this is a chip on our shoulder, just another thing that's going to add fuel to the fire? Uh, I think there's another thing that adds fuel to the fire. I think you look at the beginning of this year. A lot of people doubted our ability to finish in the top five in the Eastern Conference, let alone in the NBA, let alone be number one. So um, a lot we knew a lot of people were going to doubt us at the beginning of the year. We know a lot of people are going to doubt us come playoff time because, you know, the Bucks quote-unquote, haven't done it yet. But at the same time, I mean, when was the last time the, the Bucks had this type of season or have had this many wins going into, um, you know, the end of March? And I think we have a strong confidence in our abilities – uh, from a standpoint of proving people wrong. But we understand we still have to prove people wrong. And it's about that one-game mentality and making sure, you know, we finish the season strong so that as we go into the playoffs, we have that same mentality. When you talk about the history of the Bucks, um, the, over the weekend, Marcus Johnson's numbers retired. Bob Lanier is there. Junior Bridgman is there. I mean, you've got a good contingent of former Bucks and people that know the history of this franchise. I thought it was interesting because everybody came out at halftime uh, of the Bucks franchise. All you guys decided to come out. What is when you see the history of the Bucks in front of you and notice that there's only, you know, there's only been one championship and there's only been very little success when you talk about the postseason, what do they say to you guys and what do you guys say to them? Uh, you know, I think they say to us, they're, they're rooting us on. They're rooting us on to carry on and to extend and even do better than what they had done. Uh, and for us, it's about thanking them for, you know, paving the way and for representing, you know, the city – the way that they did. I think that's something that uh, has been uh, – I've only been here a year or this is my first year, but seeing the way the city rallies around the team and the way that we're playing the atmosphere last night, like you said, it was a playoff atmosphere. And we've had a ton of those games this season, regular season games that have felt like playoff games. And that gets everybody on the team excited to show up every single night on a random Tuesday in the middle of February when it's game 62 – and, you know, there are other NBA teams that struggle with that. And I think we've done a great job, and the city has really helped us. And those players before have helped us, you know, make sure that every single night we come out and give the best of our ability so that the fans have a, something fun to watch. Are you guys anxious to get to the postseason? I mean, not that you're going to look overlook anybody, but I would you say, just like it, it can't get here fast enough? I'd say excited. Yeah. I'd say excited. I think, uh, you know, we've – tried our best to make sure we could make the best name for ourselves throughout the regular season. Um, finishing the season strong um, will be huge, but where we can make the next name for ourselves is in the postseason, and that's where we can hopefully you know, start year one of a very you know, successful years to come. Do the younger guys get that? I mean, we, um, when you talk to guys like George Hill, you talk to Powell, they know it's not about getting to it. It's about what you do once you get there. Do the young guys understand that, that getting there and, you know, some of the young guys have been one and done, mm-hmm. and they've done that now for some time. And some guys have never had a taste of the postseason. So do the young guys understand, that, look, it, it's great to get there, but it doesn't matter what you do to get there. It's a matter of what you do once you get there. Uh, I think it comes with experience, like you said. Um, Getting there is one thing. Staying there is another. Uh, and then continuing on and uh, advancing is a completely another. And, you know, uh, I've been fortunate to be a part of a team that have gone to the second round. Second round is different than the first round. But 
the fact of the matter is you have to take it one game at a time um, in order to get to the second round and then hopefully the third round and then so on and so forth. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. We are broadcasting live at Bel Air Cantina. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. It's presented by QP and Abraham. Pat Connaughton alongside. I'm Bill Michael. Steve Novak off doing a little family vacation, so he'll be back with us again next week. Until then, uh, we wish him nothing but the best. we got more coming up right after this. Welcome back. It's the uh, Milwaukee Basketball Hour. I'm Bill Michaels alongside Pat Connaughton of the Milwaukee Bucks. We are broadcasting live from Bel Air Cantina, which is where you can find us. And uh, they are uh, right here on Water Street, downtown Milwaukee. Uh, the Cousin Sub Sub of the Week goes to George Hill. Some solid D on James Harden. 17 points off the bench against the Cavs as well. That is the Cousin Sub's Sub of the Week. We are brought to you by Hupi and Abraham. And uh, we'll get more into some of our other fine sponsors like Baker Tilly and Cousin Subs as well. Uh, coming up here shortly, I wanted to ask you, when uh, we talk about George Hill, um, we had George on, we were talking about the experience, and you mentioned that. Do you guys, I I picture when guys that have rings and have been in the finals and such, when they talk, it's like everybody crowding around on the bus of Bull Durham, you know, <laughs> saying, you know, what's it like, yeah. uh, that type of thing. Is that what it's like for you guys? Because I know that uh, one of the things he said was guys like Giannis will come over with almost like notebooks and start writing things down of what they need to work on and what they need to remember. Do you guys lean on those guys? Yeah, definitely. I think kind of like we said, everybody, the goal in the NBA is to win a championship for every team. When you ha- are fortunate enough to have somebody on your team who has done so and has been to countless conference finals and things of that nature, has been a part of an organization such as San Antonio and um, that reputation, uh, you know, you listen when they talk. You remember what they say and you ask questions. And I think George and now Powell, they've done a great job of making sure they've been vocal. Um, and they've shared their knowledge with the young guys, with everybody on the team. And, you know, it's funny because when George talks, it's not just the players that listen. The assistant coaches listen. Everybody mm-hmm. listens to what he has to say and tries to find a way to implement his advice uh, at any given time. Do, do they ever um, – how do I put this? Do they ever foreshadow what's going to happen? And then you look back, look at him and go, oh, I okay, I got you now. I see that. Well, uh, funny story. Me and George Hill um, – at the start of every game, we'll stay standing after the jump ball, and we'll just we'll stand up while everyone else sits on the bench, and we'll read how the game's going. If it goes well, we'll stay standing. If it doesn't go well, we'll sit back down, and we'll kind of – it's our just a little thing, like superstition thing, even though no, neither of us are really superstitious. Uh, but there was a time where we were standing up for quite a while because we were playing well, and he was telling me a, another player on the, a player on another team – he was basically telling me their moves. It was my, it was Indiana because he was in Indiana for a long time. So Miles Turner took a three. He made it. He goes, we got to get out and contest next time because the next one's going up. And sure enough, the next shot went up. He missed it. He goes, next time he's going to pump fake, he's going to drive right. He got the shot. He missed the last one, so he pumped fake and he drove right. And I just keep looking back at him like, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> like, what are you, fortune teller? Where yeah. am I? But, you know, it's just you, you realize it's – a lot of the NBA is talent and physical and all that, but the guys that really get it and the guys that really have a reputation like George and guys that are a part of championship teams are the guys that get the mental side of it as well and understand who they're playing and have knowledge of the game. And he does that phenomenally clearly because he knows his opponent, and that's a big part of it. Do guys that have been there done that, Do they because they, they know what it takes to get there, mm-hmm. do they look at this team and say, yeah, you, you've got that. That's 
there's a you know what it is there's a there there you know what i mean you can have five talented guys but if you don't play well together and you don't figure each other out you're five really talented guys but if there's some there there you know what i mean there's that intangible yeah, absolutely do they look at this team and go you know what we, we're gonna go far um yeah i mean i i would say the biggest thing that speaks to that is you know Pau gasol wanted to come here because of what he saw in this team and he thought his ability to have been or his experience as being on teams that have won it would be that next thing or that final piece that was needed for this team to get over the hump and to be a championship contender and you know when a guy of Powell's credentials basically picks out Milwaukee out of all the teams that he probably could have gone to um, because he sees what we're building here and he thinks that um, you know it's something special I think that speaks a lot to it we started to talk about uh, the offseason Steve and I and we had George Hill on and I said is it Giannis's job to like recruit free agents and such and George kind of stopped us and said we don't need anybody and not to say that, you know, role players and, and aging guys and veterans and stuff, they're trying to hang on to a job. I get it. But he just genuinely meant, he said, well, we don't need anybody. He said, we, we got a team. We, we can win this. And which told me he won, he believed. But it's it's like, don't don't worry about that. You know, we're, we got a good group. And then when we were talking last week to Eric Bledsoe, I said, is it like you guys should just rent a party bus and all hang together? Because it seems like there's this genuine, you're not even – basketball players like brothers you know what i mean is, is, is it that genuine feeling is that the way it is yeah definitely uh it's funny because across the nba that's the one thing that people always say is different between the nba and college in college it's guys that you're around all the time 24 7 four years it becomes people who are like your brothers your family you stay in touch with them forever in the nba it has a little bit of a different feel because you have guys of different ages guys that have families guys that already have those brothers from college that they're going home, hanging out with, and it's not – it's more of a job. Like, I think here has been completely different. You know, guys enjoy hanging around with each other. Sure, when we're back home on home games and uh, there are guys with families, they have their families take care of after practice and things like that. But when you're on the road, guys are hanging out all the time, yeah. going to dinner together. Our, our team enjoys being around each other, and I think that – to your point, brings that there, there. It brings that chemistry. It brings that I want to play hard for the person next to me, not for me, but for the person next to me because of my relationship with them and my trust in them, not just as a basketball player, but as a human being, as a friend. Who's, who's got the dinner when you guys are all going out together? Uh, it depends who you go out to dinner with. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it, and it depends how many of us go out because if we go out as a team, technically the team can pay for it. If we go out as, like, small groups, then it becomes, you know, who doesn't have the alligator arms in the group. Right. We won't go into who has yeah. We won't go there. No comment. No comment. I well, want there, to still there, be a part of this family there, team. There's guys that are like that, you know. I mean, and sometimes it's the guys that make the most that, you know, they they don't they don't dig deep. Yeah, to each their own. To each their yeah. own. But, you know, the, the good But then part. again, there's always the guy that says, hey, I got tonight, and that's the night you load up. Yeah, 100 especially yeah. if you know beforehand. Oh, uh, exactly. <laughs> but I, I would say there, the majority, like, of times that I've gone out, there's always – it doesn't get to that point. It always Someone always takes the bill. Someone always offers to pay for it. And if you offer right back, they won't let you. So yeah. it's really cool. It's a refreshing thing. It's So, in other words, it's it really is a closer-knit team than 
you know, just yeah. a, just a business group. Absolutely. Of guys. Hey, uh, I wanted to ask you about Coach Bud. Um, when we were talking today, he was He's talking the best. about when we were, That's all I have to say. we were well, we were sitting there talking about the philosophies coming in and, and what he learned from Popovich, and so I asked him what makes him so good, and he, you know, philosophically said, you know, you'd have to ask the guy. So I'm going to ask you, what makes him so good? Um, well, I wouldn't say anything bad about Coach Bud, especially not with the potential that he would hear it. I'm trying to stay <laughs> in his good graces. Uh, no, but there's nothing bad to say anyway. I think. He does a phenomenal job of um, his relationship with the guys on the team. Like, I would say the biggest thing from what I've seen in my short NBA career so far is um, being a coach in the NBA, the most difficult part is managing egos would be, my, would be what I yeah. say. The X's and O's are important, don't get me wrong, but the fact of the matter is you have to get a bunch of guys to work together who – we're all the guy on their college team, the guy on their high school team. They've nothing. They've been nothing but the guy. But now you're on a team where you may not be the best player. You may not be the second, the third. You may not play at all. How do you get everyone going towards one common goal? And I think Coach Bud's done a great job of, you know, developing his relationships with each guy so that, you know, the guys want to play for them, play for him, but they also respect him because they know – you know, if you mess up, he'll he'll let you know you mess up. Doesn't matter who you are, and yeah. I think that's the biggest thing because the respect level there between the players and the coach, from a standpoint of there is no favoritism, there is no. He's probably harder on Giannis than anybody else, and it's one of those things where if he's going to give it to the potential MVP of the league, he he can give it to me just as hard. He should probably give it to me harder, and that's something that guys understand. You can talk to him, you can joke with him, but there's always going to be that line where you need to make sure you do your job to the best of your ability. I, I got to ask you, and for those that don't know, you're, you're a former baseball player. Yes, sir. And you could have you gone to that side uh, of, of the sport, so to speak. Uh, this time of year, do you get like an itch? Uh, opening you know? day is always, always fun. It's always something I circle on my calendar. Um, yeah. I would say I don't get as much of an itch until the offseason during the summer nights, you know, growing up and even high school, college, playing in the Cape Cod League. Do you still find League. somebody to go out and just throw with? Yeah, I, I like to play catch. Yeah. Um, have See, a, have play a catch. catch, not have a catch. Play, play catch, catch yeah. have a catch, whatever whatever way you say it. Um, but, yeah, it's something that, I mean, some guys go to movies, some guys, um, you know, do different things, golf, whatever it may be. Uh, it's a fun mind-clearing thing, and it brings you back to your childhood when, you know, all I did all summer was play baseball. So yeah. it's cool. Now, are, now, are you going to stay here in the summer in Milwaukee and kind of hang out and see Summerfest and everything? Because you've never been to a Brewers game. I've never been to – not yet, at least. Not yet. you got to get to a Brewers game, for I God's do. Sakes. I do. Uh, I'll be back and forth. Uh, okay. My off seasons, I spend a lot of time in Boston working out, seeing friends and family. Um, but it's not that far, so I'll probably be back and forth. Yeah. I'll work out with the coaching staff here, get to a uh, few Brewers games, hopefully. And yeah. I did hear Summerfest was a lot of fun. Yeah, Summerfest is fun. Maybe come up uh, in September just as you guys are getting ready to head back to training camp, head, catch sure. a Packers game. For sure, would love to. Haven't done that. Hey, now, you, you grew up where? In Boston? Yeah, right yeah, outside. Okay. Were you a Patriots fan? Big time. Okay, so Big if you time. want to see a better experience, you you, you got to go to Lambeau Field. I've, 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 I've heard many th- I've gotten a lot of flack for the whole Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers debate. Yeah. I will go on record and say, which I've always said, I do think Aaron Rodgers is more talented. I don't. I think Tom Brady's the goat, but I do yeah. think Aaron Rodgers is more talented. Did you just palm the forehead when you found out your your owner was visiting strip malls? Yeah, I, I <laughs> pretended, pretended, 
You don't have to answer. Pretended that. I didn't know who it was. <laughs> Let's do this. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We are broadcasting live at uh, Bel Air Cantina here on Water Street, downtown Milwaukee. Pat Connaughton of the Bucks is with us. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour brought to you by Hoopie and Abraham. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. It is the Milwaukee Basketball Hour, and I want to remind you that you can find us over on all the social media um, you know, platforms. Facebook, MKE B-Ball Hour. Instagram, the same, MKE B-Ball Hour. Same thing on Twitter as well. You can find us over there. Uh, a couple of reminders. Our friends at Hupi and Abraham uh, remind you never to drink and drive. Also, friends at Baker Tilly bringing the program. Cousin Subs, the Green Bay Legends Cruise, Baird Private Wealth Management, uh, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of Wisconsin also. And uh, next, uh, well, I shouldn't say next week, uh, Tuesday, April 9th, our next location, the Iron Horse Hotel, as we start to push into the uh, postseason. And uh, time now for the Hupi and Abraham injury report. We know Miritich out with the thumb, uh, suited up last night, but uh, still has that thing all wrapped up. Pal Gasol has the ankle. Brogdon has the plantar fasciitis and hopes to be back in anywhere from four to six weeks. Uh, Dante out for the remainder of the season, the bilateral heel, heel bursitis, which is painful within itself. And that's the Hupi and Abraham injury report. Call Hupi and Abraham. Uh, they are voted best, rated best year after year after year. Thanks to them for being a part of the program. So uh, people say you got to talk about your vertical leap and about all the crazy stuff you do with combines and stuff and your speed. <laughs> and So you're like some freakish bunny. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yeah. I'm going to take that as a compliment. That's a good thing, yeah. man. I try. You know, it's something uh, I've kind of always prided myself on. When I was a kid, I wanted to dunk. I read Vince Carter, Sports Illustrated for kids. He could dunk when he was in sixth grade. I didn't quite get there in sixth grade. I was a little bit of a chubby kid in sixth grade. But uh, I wanted to dunk before high school, so my dad bought me a weight vest. And at nights, I'd run up and down this big hill we had uh, in my neighborhood and jump up and down on steps and stuff. And uh, I was fortunate to be able to dunk in eighth grade. All of a sudden, you had the muscularity to be able to do it. Yeah, it was fun. Were you freaking out friends? Uh, Yeah, not in eighth grade. Actually, the first dunk I had, I vividly remember, was – at this gym I grew up playing at Fidelity House, and it was our coach gave me the option. If I could dunk, we didn't have to do conditioning. But if I missed the dunk, we had to do extra conditioning. And I hadn't done it yet, so I wasn't confident. I was about to just do the conditioning. The guys on my team were like, you got to try, you got to try, we want to see it. And I guess it was a little extra adrenaline so that we didn't have to run up and down the floor a hundred times. And uh, I was able to do it. And, yeah, then a few people started freaking out. Now is it a comfort thing where you just – I two steps and up and good. Yeah, I don't even need the two steps. Straight okay. off the ground. Is that right? Yeah, that's some serious hops, man. Yeah, I tried to. I mean, yeah. it was uh, the one thing that uh, NBA scouts were worried about before the combine was my athleticism and ability to translate <laughs> to the NBA. So I had to make sure I could prove that wrong. I tell you what, when Dante came back, you and him were on the floor. To see, I can't remember who you were playing. Rebound goes up. Dante flew through the air. I mean, and that's when I said that that guy has got some serious guts yeah. too. I mean, fl- do you remember this? Yeah, I do. flew through the air, swatted the ball back to you. Now it ended up being I don't know if you guys ended up scoring or whatever out of it, but between you and him, both heads were near the rim. It was one of the most most athletic plays I'd ever seen. Yeah, I uh, me and Dante often walk into games together, especially on the road, and there's always a picture of us uh, there. And quite a few times I've quote tweeted and or reposted that picture and said. Uh, you know, it was about 80-something inches of vertical in this picture. And right. not a lot of people, you know, picture that when you have us two walking into the arena together. Me, who once had frosted tips, and him with red hair. Yeah, well, think, <laughs> but but I look at it, 
neither one of you are very big, but you can play above the rim if you need to. It's not like you're afraid to do it. And, and sometimes when you're going against guys that are closing in on seven feet tall and are muscular, that's a physical area to play with no ground beneath you. You know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. And I think, you know, it just adds another element and ability, you know, for us to help our team, uh, whether it be on offense trying to fly in, get tip dunks or rebounds or whatever. But defensively, it definitely helps from a rebounding standpoint because one of the things that we focused on since the beginning of training camp this year was, you know, as an organization, the Milwaukee Bucks, we weren't great at rebounding last year uh, from what, you know, coach had told us or that was at least what the stats said from last season. So that was a big area of improvement was defensive rebounding, and that's something that being able to jump and get off the ground and, uh, you know, maybe someday hit our head on the rim uh, helps us do. Well, I was going to get into that. You guys are now number one still or number two in the league in rebounding? Number one defensive rebounds. Yep. I know yep. that. Offensively, it, it's is offense because you put them up from three so often. Is the offensive rebounding a byproduct of longer boards? Yeah, I'd say it's a mixture of both. I mean, you shoot long shots, there's going to be long rebounds, but at the same time, you still have to be somewhere in there in order to get those long rebounds. You have to be able to attack, or you look at guys like Giannis who shoots it in the paint so much. If he's down there when you when after he kicks it out and you shoot a three, odds are if it's anywhere within ten feet of his radius, he's going to get that rebound. So um, you know sometimes some of our best offenses miss shots and we rebound it and we put it back in. Do you guys have a conscious effort in some way, shape, or form to get Giannis? If I mean obviously he can do it himself, but to get him that more recognition for the MVP. I I, I listened all the last couple of days about this matchup and James Harden and what he's done. I go back to the expectations, of, and you kind of broke it down the last time we were together, but I go yeah. back to the expectations. Look, you guys were hoping to get into the four or five seed, hoping to get out of the first round of the playoffs. You now have the best record in the NBA. I think the elevation via Giannis versus what Harden and the Rockets were expected to do, by far there's been the exceeding of expectations here. So tell me why Giannis over James Harden should be the MVP. Uh, well, I would say the definition of MVP is the most valuable player to his to his team. And – don't get me wrong, James Harden's had a historic year when it comes to his scoring. Um, but if you took James Harden off the team and you had CP3 be healthy, you could make an argument that the Rockets aren't far off of where they are right now. Now, you know, we're fortunate. We have a pretty deep team. you got Chris. But before the year, we didn't have any other All-Stars on this team besides Giannis. They had two uh, and two arguable Hall of Famers on the team that you would probably have put in there at the start of the season you got to look at the whole body of work, and you got to look at the wins. you got to look at everything besides just the scoring. And I think, you know, Giannis himself has really not just upped his game, but he's upped the game of everybody around him, and that's what makes somebody valuable to their team. Talk about the, the season and matchups, because as we get towards the postseason, everybody's going to try to figure out who you match up with, who you don't, who may. I, you know, look, I, there's, it's no hiding. Philadelphia top one through five, very top. That's a hell of a team. I think where you guys excel and have excelled all season long, even if guys have matched up, is your depth, is the fact that you've got guys that come off the bench and you've got guys that could very well be starting for other teams and you have that scoring ability from everybody. Like we talked about, it seems like everybody's contributing in some way, shape, or form. Is that depth what makes you that much better than a lot of the teams in the NBA as far as the total number of matchups go in the East? Yeah, I, that's what I would say. I would say – um, you know, there are, even with the matchups, I'd say our starters are better than the majority of every team's starters in the NBA, and I would say our bench just adds to that. Um, 
And when it comes to matchups, I think, you know, once you get to the playoffs, you know, you want to get out of the first round. That's your first goal. But once you get out of the first round, whoever you match up with in the second round or the conference finals, they're going to be a great team. You know, no one gets there if they're not. So you're going to have to beat a great team in the second round. You're going to have to beat a great team in the Western Conference and then you or Eastern Conference. And then you're going to have to beat a great Western Conference opponent if you want to win a championship. If you are a championship caliber team, so. At the end of the day, there's not going to be a big, wide margin of talent within those teams once you get to the second, third, and final round. It's going to be who executes the best, the depth, and who is able to play for one another and do that over the course of a seven-game series. How confident are you going into the postseason? Uh, I would say very confident. I I like to teeter the line. You want to be confident, but you want to be humble confident. I don't think – any team does well when they go into the postseason thinking, oh, we have an easy first-round matchup or, oh, we have an easy road to the conference finals. Uh, I think even if you do get there, you're not as sharp or as prepared whenever that does start to catch up with you. Uh, and I think our team has that great combination of we're confident. We, we believe in each other. In that locker room, there's a lot of confidence, but there's also a lot of, um, you know, chips on our shoulder from a standpoint of uh, we know we have to prove people wrong. There's nobody out there saying the Milwaukee Bucks are guaranteed to the NBA Finals. Uh, and I think that in and of our, in itself will supply some fuel for us to go from just the first round to the second. Now I know you had said that Coach Bud doesn't really kind of set goals but when I had asked you about the best record in the NBA, uh, you guys, you had told me specifically, said we want best record in the East. We, we want home court advantage. Are you that confident in the ability to be able to have that home court advantage that Pfizer form has become that fortress where you guys are going, we got this? Yeah, I think, and that adds, that's for every every part of it. You know, Pfizer has been a phenomenal home. I mean, it's a new arena. We've taken to it great. The fans have taken to it great. Uh, and, I mean, we're in our home. Like, it just makes life easier when you're able to have a home court advantage, but it also um, just adds to that atmosphere. You know, uh, I, I personally, I love winning road games when the arena is silent when you're walking out, but it's hard to argue with winning home games when the arena is going crazy throughout the entire course of the game and the other team has to feel all that pressure beaming down on them uh, and all that noise and all that sort of stuff. And I think – you know, Pfizer has done a phenomenal job. The fans have done a phenomenal job of making it one of the hardest places to play in the NBA. Well, that was what be, I was going to ask you that because there have been some broadcasters that have come in. Hubie came in and said, this is really quiet here. This is not what it was built to be. Is it a quiet building? When you're on the court and things are starting to happen, is it a quiet building? No, I, I wouldn't say so. I would say it's a very loud building, especially when we start to play. I mean, you look at that play last night where Chris got a rebound, kicked it to George, kicked it to me, and it went up to Giannis for an alley-oop. I mean, I didn't even hear somebody call a timeout. I didn't hear the whistle until people started walking off the floor. Um, and I think it'll just be accentuated when it comes to playoff time. Do you get the sense this city's ready to explode? Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's one of those great feelings of, a, you know, the city is ready for the Bucks to be great. The team is ready for the Bucks to be great. And when you match those two things up, you know, hopefully you'll have a great team for a long, long time. Man, we wish you all the luck in the world, buddy. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thank you for having Pat, me. He's got to run. When we come back, 
Earlier today, we had a chance to sit down with Coach Bud, and you're going to hear that interview, that conversation with Coach Budenholzer. That is coming up next on the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. Welcome back. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. I'm Bill Michaels. Thanks to Pat Connaughton for joining us here. Uh, We had a great time tonight. He's always fun to talk to. He was a last-minute replacement for Dante DiVincenzo, who had the bursitis uh, treatment to his foot and uh, unable to come tonight. So uh, thanks to uh, Pat for coming out and joining us out here. Don't forget, coming up on Tuesday, April 9th, we're going to be at the Iron Horse Hotel. That'll be the next Milwaukee Basketball Hour. We are brought to you by Hupe and Abraham, Baker and Tilly, uh, Cousin Subs, Green Bay Legends Cruise, also Baird Private Wealth Management, and the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of Wisconsin. Earlier today, I had a chance to sit down and chat with uh, the head coach, uh, Mike Budenholzer, as uh, he was downtown last night breaking a little bread, enjoying himself after a nice win over the Houston Rockets, but talked about a lot of different stuff regarding this team and heading into the postseason. Here's that conversation. time I met this gentleman, he had just been hired. And like all good business meetings, it's usually over a bottle of wine, a little bit of pasta, heading down to the Calderon Club, seeing our buddy Gino. And uh, Gino walks over to me and says, hey, you know that guy? And I said, oh, it's Darvin Ham." And yeah, next to him is Coach Budenholzer, so we had a chance to say hello. And on that night, if he remembers, they had the downtown naked bike ride that uh, everybody came by on their bikes. Uh, Coach Budenholzer now joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Do you remember that night? Well, until the very end, you 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 brought it home hard late, and uh, I very much remember the naked bike ride through through Milwaukee. Uh, the rest is I've, I've been to Colorado so many times, been with Darwin so many times, and met so many great people there. The rest was a, a little shaky, but nope, yep, I remember that night. Yeah, that was uh, my wife and I were having dinner, and I said, I think I said we're going to leave Coach alone. Don't worry about it. And the next thing you know, the naked bike ride <laughs> flies by, and you're over there talking to us, and we're all sharing wine and hanging out, and that was the beginning of the friendship. So, how you been? I've been great, thank you. Uh, by the way, I just got a text from your boy Gino, who said he's sorry he kept you up so late last night. Yeah, no, he, uh, he it's a good thing when he keeps you up late. You got good food and good wine. It's uh and he does it, I think, for everybody in the league. I see every busy team and the referees and like the whole the NBA mafia is for sure going to call their own after every game. No doubt about it. Hey, uh, first of all, congratulations on the season. I got to ask you right out of the shoot when you came in and you got a chance to kind of see the pieces that were being put in place, and you got to know the personality of the team. Did you see this kind of potential at the beginning of the season? Well, yeah, I mean, we were all really, you know, optimistic and positive and for myself to, you know, have the good fortune to be, you know, selected, hired as the coach of the team, um, we were really, really positive. But, you know, I think to to be where we are and have the have had the success is, um, you know, probably even more than any of us uh, expected or anticipated. But we certainly did see a ton of potential with, you know, the way the roster was constructed at that time. And then, you know, in the summer, I think John Horst just did a, Phenomenal job by you know adding Brooke Lopez, uh, drafting Dante, adding Connington. Um, you know you could just keep going down the list of how we built the roster: the trade for Miritich, the trade for George Hill. You know, so I think with what John's done, um, you know, on his side of the, of the of the equation and the players, it's just uh, everything's come together really, really well. With the recent injuries to Miritich and Brogdon, uh, how big of an adjustment or small of an adjustment has it been for you to get uh, maybe a different rotation or just a different feel for how you're going to play the game? Yeah, it's certainly you know not not easy or you know I, 
we are a little bit creatures of habit and you know we love to kind of you know we have the things we like to do and the discipline we like to approach the game with and um you know we've had been so healthy and that starting five it just you know it's like every night you just kind of you could you could bank on it um so you know it, we're certainly going to miss Malcolm but um you know I think the team understands this is part of sports this is part of the NBA and you know, we've we've had a rash of injuries kind of right after it too. So figuring out, you know, who's starting, not starting, how much people are playing, not playing. Um, I guess you know, it gives me something to do on game days. <laughs> uh, with Giannis and the management of pain management of the ankle and the knees, um, uh, let me ask you this: longevity wise, is there any should, should fans be concerned about the longevity of Giannis because of some of the knee issues that he's had, or is this just all precautionary stuff? Yeah, no, I think it's. Um, I think precautionary is certainly a word that that is applicable, and I think you know there's there's kind of normal wear and tear on an NBA player and on the NBA body and, and knees and all those things, and um, it's why it's so important that you are you know uh, precautionary and you are you know I would say aggressively cautious and, and taking care of their bodies so that you know they can play you know a 20 year career would just it wouldn't be great for all of us in Milwaukee to watch Giannis play for 20 years so you know i think there's nothing you know from our end that says it's it's not just going to be this long you know amazing career and we want to do everything we can to ensure that that happens and um you know it's it's kind of what you see throughout the year Talking with Bucks head coach Mike Budenholzer joining us now on the Schneider Orange hotline uh so now between now and the remainder of the season uh how tough is it a management game of you know, obviously having guys play and still, you know, stacking wins is success to managing guys to rest them up for the postseason. Yeah, no, there's certainly a, a balance that, you know, most teams or, you know, particularly, you know, I think we're, we still got a little bit more work to do to kind of, you know, close out and, you know, have the first seed and all those good things. But, you know, being, being healthy is our number one priority. So that's more important than a number one seed, more important than anything else. So, you know, but, but there is, you know, players have to play. They have to feel like they're in, you know, a good place, you know, both collectively and individually going into the playoffs. And you want to be playing well. So, um, you know, fortunately, I guess I've, I've been around the league for a long time. You know, a lot of it as an assistant, now a few years as a head coach. And um, hopefully through all that experience and our players, you know, conversations and engaging them on, you know, how they feel and what they think they need and just balancing that with, you know, my experience and the staff's experience. Uh, we'll make decisions that, you know, hopefully put us in the best position to be successful in the playoffs. With the success that you've had this season, and, and I'll be honest with you, I think you're a lock for Coach of the Year, and statistically speaking, you go through the ESPN Gino channels. Gino say that, probably. What's that? Gino, Gino made you say that. Gino's texting me while we're talking, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> he is. He's, he's listening. He's, he says, man, I can't believe I kept him and his family up he's so late. He's my agent for Coach of the Year. <laughs> But with all the statistics that are out there um, and, and and the way you've had this success, how much, if there's any one or two things you can say that I got this either from myself or maybe from a guy like Coach Pop, is there something there that you said philosophically speaking coming into this situation, this is the way I need to conduct myself or to conduct this team? Well, God, I mean, there's there's so many things, you know, after being in San Antonio for 19 years and being around Coach Pop and Tim Duncan and Mono Ginobili and Tony Parker and all these, you know, David Robinson and Sean Elliott and Avery John, all these great players. Um, but, you know, I would say they always, I think, really wanted to, to have the identity and, and really kind of people understand that, 
we wanted to be great defensively, and, and I just felt like the roster here in Milwaukee, they had so much individual talent defensively, and um, could we kind of, you know, turn that loose or unlock it and really, you know, put our put our stamp on the game defensively night after night after night and be one of the top defensive teams. And I would say, you know, that is a, a staple of a lot of good programs, but certainly Coach Pop. And um, But then, you know, the other balance to that is you can't just be a, a defensive team. It's not football, and I don't even think it works in football. You know, it's like I think you got to be great on both sides of the ball. we got to be efficient offensively. We've got to be, you know, I think we wanted to play faster and, um, you know, so it's, 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 I guess, you know, a lot of the simplistic stuff is probably what you take. Uh, you know, a lot of the things Pop does are very just smart and simplistic and fundamental, and hopefully we've brought some of that to Milwaukee. Uh, do you have an expectation as to when you might see Malcolm back on the court? Um, you know, I think we're still, you know, a significant ways away. Uh, you know, I think he's making great progress. It's, it's you know, I think there's, you know, we're going to have to make it through the first round without him. And, you know, then I think they'll start to be, you know, when, when will he make it back after that? And, um, you know, he's just, his body will tell us, his foot will tell us that the medical staff here, which is incredible, um, you know, but we're going to have to do some work without him, sure. And um, when appropriate and when healthy, you know, I know he's going to be excited to come back and join us. Is Pat Connaughton your version of Darvin Ham when he was back here in 2000, 2001? <laughs> Well, I don't know if anybody could be as popular as Darvin Ham. So Pat, Pat Connington, I think, is making a run for it. But I think he's like got to be the vice president of you know the most popular you know guy in Milwaukee behind Darvin is the president. So, yeah. Uh, but he's he's got such great energy and the way he plays. I think you know his teammates love him, the fans love him, no doubt the coaching staff, myself. It's just you know he's got this infectious way about him and. Um, certainly he's playing really well um, here recently, shooting the ball, you know, at a high rate, and just doing so many winning things. So, no, he's been a great ad this summer. I got to ask you, going into the off season, uh, you know, probably before you were hired, we were talking about, you know, Jabari Parker and Bledsoe, and there was talks of selfishness and such. And I, we just had uh, Eric on the, the Milwaukee Basketball Hour last week, and we were talking to him about that. He said, you know what, it just took me a time to kind of get – acclimated to the guys so what has been the difference in Bledsoe's game that you could see because last year there was the question of selfishness and he didn't really show up in the postseason this year he has been nothing but money last night was just a a, a kind of a microcosm of what we've seen all season long what has made him a better player well you know I can really only speak for what what you know this group and what Eric has done you know from the you know first day I got the job and all throughout the summer you know he I think he he had one of his best summers, if not his best summer. There you go. That was Coach Bud. Just a snippet. If you want to listen to the entire interview, all you got to do is go to 1057thefamthefan.com or billmichaelsports.com, and you can hear the entire thing. Thanks to everybody out here at Bel Air Cantina tonight for coming out and enjoying uh, themselves, hopefully at the uh, Milwaukee Basketball Hour. Thanks to all of our sponsors that take care of the program, Yuppie and Abraham, Baker Tilly, Cousin Subs, Green Bay Legends, Cruise, Baird, Private Wealth Management, and also the Crohn's Colitis Foundation of Wisconsin. Till then, time for us to go. Have a go and trip. Welcome to the Taz Show with multi-time pro wrestling champion, celebrated color commentator, award-winning podcaster, and morning show host on CBS Sports Radio. 
This is Taz, and we like it all in the world of sports entertainment, wrestling, and beyond with special guests and more. Listen anytime on demand at radio.com. This show will always rock you to the core with strong opinions from yours truly. It's body slam and excitement, I promise you. Download and subscribe to the Taz Show on the new radio.com app.